Hey, where are you? Uh, I'm in Thailand somewhere. In Thailand? Somewhere. Somewhere in Thailand. Okay. Yeah. Keeping a little mysterious this week. Yeah, I'll just, I'm just bored of myself. Um, yeah. I'm in um, a place called Pattaya, which is kind of a coastal <sighs> coastal part of Thailand. Pattaya, it's a bit of a, Pattaya. Bit of a party. <laughs> Pattaya, Pattaya. <laughs> um, probably use that as my own. Okay. That's okay, pass it off. See what Lauren says. A bit annoyed that I didn't think of it before, actually. Okay. Okay. Maybe um, you're losing your touch. Bit, Maybe bit... this holiday is just slowly sapping all that you know, the wit that you were employing back in at, um, in Melbourne and now you're just sort of coasting. Well, if if um, Lauren's reactions to uh, <laughs> me are anything to go by, that's definitely true. Yeah. I get nothing. It's just zilch from her. She's just like, uh, it's just exhaustion actually. <laughs> the zilch is not neutral. It's active dislike. It's negative, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame. Well, it's lucky you have a podcast, you know, an outlet to let some of this out so that today, you know, less needy for her responses um, and she can just have a nice day off. Yeah. She's at the gym at the moment. So it's just the boys in the house, Nick. Just the boys. Got the place to ourselves. <laughs> it looks hey? kind of flash. Where are you, What's the, the accommodation here? you got a house to yourself. It's like... Uh, it's like a, a, a studio kind of condo oh. thing. It is actually, it's the nicest place we've stayed. It's like, a, it's got a huge balcony that overlooks the ocean. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's a modern place, you know, good internet, big TV, uh, microwave. Yeah. You know, all the, all the things that you need. <clears throat> um, so it's, it's pretty, it, we're very comfortable here. It's been nice. Although I just, um. Uh, while I was waiting for you, um, was hanging out some hanging out some wash like putting some washing in. Yeah, and they have uh, they have they left us here like a, a, a laundry liquid. Yeah, in in, in sachets. Yeah, individual. Dose. And you know, I I ripped uh, it off, ripped it open <laughs> with, with my mouth. mouth, with my mouth, and just got a whole mouth of squirty uh, liquid laundry liquid in my mouth. So I just washed my mouth out with soap, essentially. Yeah really took me back did you ever <laughs> did you ever have that no. did your parents ever wash your mouth out no soap? we had the cliche but we didn't have the action no oh uh, you had the as rent. in they're like don't use that language you know or I'll wash your mouth out with soap but no no one ever did it <laughs> yeah oh i got a i got a whole chunk of uh, imperial leather uh shoved down my throat many times oh god yeah Okay. Yeah, I can. I can still. I can still remember the taste. Well, yeah, because you taste. ate it like twenty minutes ago. I don't think it's <laughs> yeah. that long ago to remember the taste of soap. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got. I've still got the aftertaste in my mouth right yeah, now. Yeah, actually, that, that's you know, if there's ever a time for like classic piss yellow listerine, it's after you've had a mouthful of of soap. Like that's the only like industrial <laughs> solvent level kind of flavor that you can use to replace it have you heard that listerine is bullshit in what sense uh, someone maybe it was a facebook post or something but apparently mouthwash uh, is kind of like redundant like you don't you just don't need mouthwash well it's not like useful for teeth care but i don't think anyone thinks that it's like helping your teeth it's for Ooh. freshening the taste of your mouth, and that's all it does. It's like... Yeah, fair enough. It's like tingle liquid that makes the mouth not smell. But, I mean, yeah. that famously, Listerine was 
they invented the solution to a problem that no one had thought about, right? It's one of the very earliest and best marketing examples of even go back like as far as the 60s or 70s, like people didn't care about bad breath. And then someone thought, but what if we made people self-conscious about how their breath smells and sold them the solution? And that's where Listerine came from. That was that was the entire pitch. But it's like a relatively recent um, fear, you know, self-consciousness. Wait, so people didn't care about having smelly breath, no. you know, a few years ago. Well, think, think back even like 100 years ago. What do you reckon like World War One people were doing for like dental? Do you think they had time for like a toothbrush and toothpaste and stuff? Like no one was no, no one was really across that stuff. 1800s, oh, 1800s, everyone stank. Everyone stank. Everyone. Even the rich people stank, which is why they were it's, it's, out there harvesting whale blubber and bullshit. It's remarkable that you know we've we've continued the species given that everyone was just so gross up until like the 80s yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the um there is something to say for going too far the other way right like the the germ theory or the dirt theory of like overly hygienic homes and not exposing kids to various like allergens Pathogens, and yeah. pathogens you know that kind of stuff makes them more vulnerable later in life so you know well, maybe they, it's a apparently uh peanut allergies have gone up recently like oh. in the last like few decades because parents are like i'll stop uh, giving kids if you, if you, peanuts right yeah if you if you don't have that exposure you can get like a you know a mild allergy to it when you're young but if you don't have the exposure to it you'll you you'll that'll kind of be exacerbated as you go up yeah i don't know uh and speaking of grooming i how are you a groomed man? You know, you seem pretty groomed. What do you, do you mean? Do you like, I mean, yourself... I, I shave my beard or trim my beard into sort of a, a decent shape every week or two. But I, I what li- about your other body hair? Yeah, you know, I keep things tidy. I don't have. You yeah. Know. Do you ever? Do you ever trim your underarm hair? I've never trimmed my underarm hair. Interesting. Why is that something you you've you've explored? Well. I think I started doing it maybe a year or two ago. Um, and obviously now I'm living with a, a lady. Yeah. And uh, she picked up on it. Um, what are we talking here? Baby's and, and thought, No, 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 no. Just like a, just like a trimming. A nip and like tuck. a kind of a, maybe a number number three. Wait, you raise three, her just over like it. Nice and short. Wow. No, I don't raise it. I just, I just trim. Oh, okay. You're, 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 the, you're eyeballing it. Yeah. But you're not yeah, yeah. actually putting a, 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 a number three razor on it, and you know. No, I did. I did do that initially. Uh, well, not a razor, but like a, yeah, yeah. a, a electric clipper. But it it was less practical. But um, yeah, Lauren picked up on it, and she was like, "That's pretty uh, metrosexual of you." And I was like, "Is it?" Yeah, I feel like a lot of men do it. That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty gay. It is pretty gay. <laughs> The um the uh, underarm hair is interesting. Uh, are you saying you like if you didn't do anything, it would just be a fucking forest? Like, are you saying it's sort no. of a necessity? It's just ne- it's no. Just it's you, just at a certain point you clicked over and you're like, you know what? I can do better here. I think I must have seen like a picture of someone. It might be like a a magazine or something with just yeah. like topless naked men. Yeah, yeah. And um, I forget the name of it, but um, <laughs> something I think- about it stuck in your mind. I think I just saw like a short, I was like, that's, 
I like that look. Yeah, like it was it's still there, under but arm. like it was it was underarm and it was uh, under it was under, under, it was under something. Yeah, <laughs> it was under something under. I might have been looking at a at a big old gooch. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> think about it. Now that you now uh, that you're, you're replaying it, yeah. Uh, well, I think I just saw an like I just I just noticed that look and I was like, oh, you can do that. And I was, I was, I was yeah, nice. anything's possible. I mean, there's also like laser as an option, so you could just laser it off, never have to worry about it again. Yeah, but I mean that's too far for me. Like you want just a, you, the, want a little, you know, I, yeah. the Kendall kind of look <laughs> is too much. Yeah. The perfect balance for me is like looking like you know you don't do any work grooming sure. yourself, but also the, having that there. But like if you go too far it's the just effortful like, this is effortless. just pure vanity. Yeah. You don't want to seem you don't want to appear vain, but you want to be a little bit vain. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true for all hygiene, right? Like, you don't want to yeah. go around skunking everyone because you dosed yourself in so much cologne that every time you walk within two meters of someone, they're like, <coughs> you know. Yep. But it's also polite to not smell like shit. So <laughs> there's a there's a middle yeah. ground. You know the yeah, one do you that have a cologne. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I got I got two. I didn't alternate between. Is is this just like a special occasion thing, or no? I just day? literally I pick one one day and then the next day I pick the other one. Love it. Yeah, mix just, it up. Just mix it up. Yeah, um, nice man. The the one that that uh, started to really feel like aging for me was the old hairy shoulder. When I started to get a little Ooh. bit of the like the sort of over the shoulder, you know, upper arm stragglers. Yeah, the, that's the, when I was the, like, the those are going. Those are going. Those are going. Those are going. Do you ever get? Do you ever get KC to do it? Because yeah, Lauren loves to get the <laughs> loves to give me. A, I can't tell you being serious. On the back, um, no, I'm, I'm, she, she, she I have loves this patch. It. This is this is TMI, but yeah. I have this patch on my lower back. I'm a I'm not a hairy guy. You know, yeah. I've got a decent amount of my chest, but I do have a few stragglers on the shoulders and stuff, yeah. and a few on the back. But there's this weird patch on my back. Sorry, this is a bit gross, but like uh, there's the two back patches on my lower back that just have a. A, an unusual amount of hair compared to the rest of my body. <laughs> and Lauren has nicknamed them uh, my wings, which is not very, doesn't make me feel very good, but she sure. loves to, she's like, oh, your wings are back. Give me the clip. Uh, That's very sweet. Yeah. I got a little bit back there, but it's, I don't think it's too overwhelming, but yeah, the shoulder stuff and I can reach them myself. So that's fine. But like, yeah, yeah that, that just brings me back to like, I don't know. Like when you're going to the um, the beach as a kid and there's like the sweaty old guy who's like 60 in a singlet and it's just like undergrowth along the shoulders and it's just like, nah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not old. So those are going. <laughs> I, have, I have been thinking about this a bit lately because I'm, I'm seeing where we are. It's like a, there's a lot of, oh, uh, uh, how do I put this? Gross, uh, el- older men sure. here, uh, looking for a s- specific type of of woman. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a little bit seedy, I would say. Yeah. Um, and there's a, and a lot of them have just completely let themselves go. And I've been thinking, like, what? I think when you're young, there is, you know, generally speaking, uh, most young people have a little bit of pride in their appearance or they, they value it a little bit. Well, it's also then, external as, is the other thing, right? Like, sorry to cut you off, but like your parents would be like, you can't go out looking like that. 
or they'll take you to get the haircut or you'll go to school and they'll say like sharpen up you know like tuck your t- shirt in or whatever yeah like there's external stuff and i think that's that carries with you for a while yeah but as you get older and you know life gets in the way kids marriage yeah. divorce the big 3 yeah. like i feel it does seem that uh, pride in your appearance seems to decline like you start uh, for for a lot of people i would say the majority of people stop really putting in effort in their appearance and i wonder if that has something to do with okay if i am married i don't have to try as hard or i'm not but trying to get that i'm not trying to attract a mate i think that that's fair I think the, I've already got a partner, I've already got a life, you know, like other things are now more important. I think when you're young and like getting out there, pride in that appearance is often connected with like, I want to meet someone, I want to go out dancing, you know, or want to, you know, it's got the social context there. So I think you're totally right. Here's my counter question. Do you think that people are actually letting themselves go or, and I of course acknowledge that that does happen, but how much do you think of it as actually just shifting tastes or fashion? Because there's definitely a thing, right, where you lose track of what's cool and what's young. And if you keep, like, if I keep buying, uh, I don't know, skinny jeans for the next 40 years, at a certain point, skinny jeans are not going to be cool. And I'm just going to be the guy who's cool, 60 yeah. years old and yeah. and wearing skinny jeans because that was the last time that I felt like I was vaguely looking good, but society's moved on. Mm. So I wonder yeah, I mean, how much of that is just like point. I'm not in the, the cultural zeitgeist anymore. But if it was a look, if it was like a kind of an 80s rocker look and you were, and, you know, you see kind of 50-year-old, 60-year-old guys who are pulling off a look that was, you know, kind of fashionable back then, but they're kind of, really leaning into it you know yeah. the leather jacket you know yeah. with a with a hat it can look cool yeah i think it's like where and it's like the ambivalence it's like okay the guy with the polo short tucked into his shorts sure you know um that are t- that going past his knees that yeah. kind of thing like I, that's not necessarily someone who is trying to make any sort of fashionable statement maybe the tucked in shirt is is you know, an effort to look a bit like cleaner um but I don't think it's like it's like sitting in this nether region where they're like, I'm just trying to wear clothes. I'm just clothes are, are a function for me. Yeah. Um, but the other thing we're, we're talking about cl- fashion here, but like uh, what I'm also talking about is like, you know, fitness, you know, yeah. uh, want, wanting to, you know, not be overweight, for yeah. example. I think it becomes increasingly difficult, you know, the older you yeah. get, right? So I don't think it's hugely surprising that older people stop being physically active anymore, particularly if your joints start going or you've got kids and you're up in the morning at yeah. four fucking a.m. Like that doesn't surprise me. Your so, pro- your priorities shift around for a sure, bit and it just drops but, down. But there are like some some guys at the gym that I go to who are like in their fifties or sixties. They're more often than I am, and you know, sixty yeah. year old shredded and and like that's insane. Like I can't imagine. The kind of commitment that takes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know those guys as well, and I, I remember thinking when I was, you know, in my early twenties or late teens, that I was, I, I saw guys like that, and not necessarily shredded, but like that took pride in their appearance or took pride in their body, or whatever. Yeah. And I, I, I remember thinking, I want to be one of those guys. I don't want to let that part of my life slip. Yeah. But who knows if that'll happen? Maybe I will just be one of those guys. But maybe. 
you know, I'll, my priorities will shift. I mean, you've always had a bit of a fashion sense. And I think that that's ultimately the deciding factor, right? Because if you're just someone who's sort of always just worn clothes and for a while the clothes that were in your size and in fashion in the stores that you went to were the stylish ones and then life moved on and, and you didn't really keep paying attention, I don't think you're going to be yep. like on top of it. But if you're the person who like went out and got your, you know, vintage shirts or got your, you know, your cool look, whatever it was that season, I think that has to come from a place of interest, right? Because you're spending time and money in it. And so I assume that that just carries on because that passion is like a hobby almost of its own, right? It's not going to fade of its own accord. Yeah. But sometimes yeah, you see point. like the, the 70 year old like woman with the, like the cool pink hair and they're like, she's got a look and it's like not your look, but you respect that she's like fully committed to her vibe, right? And that has to be yes. because she was always someone who cared about her appearance or always dressed a little kooky or always had a, you know, a thing. I love the kooky kind of art look. Yeah. I love the eccentric. Art. I know that one. What an aesthetic. It's such a good look. Yeah. They're always they're always funny. Always interesting those people. Yeah, and always slightly intoxicated. I love that. Welcome to Deep Fort everybody. Long intro this week, but let's get started with a explanation of what this podcast is and does for you. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend Michael. Hello. Hello. And my name's Nick. Hey, how are we doing? How are we doing? I'm doing pretty well, thank you for asking. Anything new? Anything new. Doesn't doesn't have to I be. I had a bit of a crap week, to be honest. I had three migraines in the space oh. of four days. And just felt kind of just oh, like no. fuck me about, to be honest. So I'm pretty tired and oh. pretty heady. So I don't really have much exciting in the way of news. I booked a bit okay. of a road trip for next month, gonna go out for um Where two to? days up to the North Island, catching the ferry across, which which I've never done okay. before. You, you drive up. It's nice that you're still finding parts of New Zealand to explore. I feel like you're actively going out and seeing that country that's not your yeah. home necessarily. Well, it is now, but... Yeah. By the time that I've headed up to the sort of western coast of the North Island, I think I can fairly say I've pretty much hit everything. I think this is sort of the last untouched pocket. Wow. Yeah, it is. I do. Th I know I've brought this up before, but it is kind of weird that you are a, you're a Kiwi now. Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I go by Oceanic now. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to get your citizenship or something? I did look into it when we were in like a closed borders situation, um, where there was some question about if I left New Zealand, for instance, to go back to to Australia, whether they would let me in or not, if I was just a Australian versus a citizen. Uh, yeah. But there's like a, a, you have to have lived uninterrupted in New Zealand for two years before you can apply, I think, or maybe that's residency, but either way, there was some kind of time limit. And I'm just, I'm overseas too frequently for that clock to ever have ticked over to two years so that I can apply. Um, oh, so you can't, you can't even leave for a trip. Yeah. Yeah, what the f that's stupid. That's stupid. You've got a you've got a postal I think, address. Actually, I think to be fair, I think that's, I think that's for a residency. I think the citizenship test doesn't actually require that. Um, and the citizenship test I could actually, uh, submit based on like you have to have sort of a reason why New Zealand would be lucky to have you. And I think I could tick a box of like cultural, 
cultural contributions or something like that by having worked in TV or something. So it, it was a plausible route, but yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't end up. Guess it might be easier if uh, Casey just gets his shit together and pops the that's, question. That's true. That's also true. So there's other options. Now, speaking of popping the question, I uh, got a little shout out here. A couple of my friends and oh. listeners of the show oh. went and got hitched oh. over the weekend. That's exciting. Dave, Dave and Coco. Dave, uh, Dave, big fan of the show, listens uh, before I do every week. Um, so he's reminding me of what stupid shit I've said. But uh, <laughs> they, they've been together for, you know, 80 years or whatever already but uh, over the weekend they just they live in san francisco and they just uh, went and got shotgun married oh congrats with, get, with uh it was a it was a dual wedding with um with coco's sister kimber right uh and her and her uh her boyfriend as well so the sisters got married um in kind of a shotgun and was style. it was it also shotgun for the sister like all four of them were like let's just fucking do it this weekend well, it seems that way. It wasn't like Isn't that fun? sister was already planning it, and then on the day they're like, you know what, let's just do us two. But it, like, well, they sister all lives decided. in in Melbourne, oh. and they were over there visiting. So yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of getting drips and drabs. So be confusing if they got they got the the partners mixed up, and then you turned out that yes. you were you married not to, to the wrong sister. So oh, I hope they've shit. checked the paperwork. Like, maybe Dave, if you're listening, maybe just check the paperwork. Just check there. the paperwork. But, uh, because otherwise, might spice things up a little bit. You might be shaving the back of the wrong person, and you're stuck in it. You're stuck shaving the wrong back. So important yeah, to check you, those papers. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck shaving your girlfriend's sister's back. Yes, yeah. that's, that's no good. That's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, uh, congrats to David. Congratulations, Kevin. guys. That's very exciting. Yeah, I like the idea of getting married. I gotta say, mm. I would like to get married. Yeah. Would you like to get married? Yeah. Not to you, obviously. I'll pick someone else. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you pop the question. Um, <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> it's very casual. Very casual. Um, yeah. I got a question for you. Please. When did you, do you have a memory of the first time that you properly, innately, existentially contemplated death? Oh. Oh. The very earliest memory when you understood the impermanency of life and you definitely don't want to get married to me because this is... <laughs> um, on one knee yeah the, um i think well i got a got a bit of a dark answer and i got a little bit of a light answer okay um okay no let's just give the honest answer i think the first time by the way love the question obviously um the first time i really contemplated death so for the First 15 years of my life, I was convinced that there was a man in the sky who was taking, who was basically uh, taking care of everything. So yeah. I didn't need to worry. Yeah. Um, I don't think at that point I really, well, maybe up until the age of about nine, I didn't really fathom death. You can't. I don't think people still can fathom death as adults. But I think when my cousin Patrick died, that was the first time i had encountered death in a real way yeah um and i had i you know i saw him on life support and everything and i was like it's also your gauge you're gauging how serious the situation is by the reactions of the parents which are you know devastation and yeah. um 
and it's like horrific in that way to see. Um, and so Patrick was like my age, maybe a year older. And I remember when my mom came in and said Patrick had died. Um, I was like, what? Like I remember thinking then, what? What? Do, what does that even mean? I was playing catch with him yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I think that really, that was a really profound point in my understanding of death, or at least my conceptualization of is death. Is it? But is it then, worth? Go on. Do we need any context here about? what that death was or would you prefer not to talk that oh no i think it's fine i think it's fine dan's been on the podcast and we've spoken about it here but yeah my cousin my cousin patrick who is a year older than me uh dan my uh daniel's and julia's brother um he drowned in a swimming pool uh, at a pool party when he was yeah nine or ten years old Mm. um and yeah it was like a it was like this crazy event in my family's uh history yeah where you know i was i was kind of best friends with patrick and we he was literally at my house and we were playing you know sports and mucking around and smashing windows and all that fun shit Mm. and then like the next day he went to a pool party and and drowned and no one was watching him and and he like got i think um he was like trying to hold his breath underwater and some kid came in and did a cannonball and just you know knocked his head um, and just kind of knocked him out and there was no parental supervision at that like precise moment. So it was just like this unlucky um, uh, timeline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, then he was on, yeah, it's not to get too graphic. No, here, but, I mean, yeah, um, it, it just gives a little bit more of the the closeness perhaps of your connection to Patrick and, and why that would have been such a strange sure. um you know, series of events where you then are facing the fact that he's no longer there at, at what age nine or 10. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think, um, you know, seeing, cause he went into a coma and he was, I remember my mum getting the phone call saying Patrick has, you know, drowned in a swimming pool. And then we went to the hospital to go see him and all of my family, all of my extended family was around sobbing, crying. Um, you know, they had a priest there um, mm. cause they were very connected to the, the church and you know i don't know if you've ever seen someone on life support but there's like all these rods going into my friend uh this is how i was processing it at the yeah. time all these and he, and his eyes are closed and he's 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 there but he's not you know joking around with me it's weird like what are you what are you doing yeah um is he sleeping um but then he's like his body's getting like pumped and it's like a i don't know what the medical thing is but he's like kind of jolting every you know couple of seconds yeah um but anyway, that that was probably the first time that I really thought about death and made me maybe scared for death. But then I think the other point in my understanding of death was like giving up religion or um, deciding that I was an atheist and kind of coming to that process, like coming to the end of that process kind of slowly having like doubts because i was like i would pray every night i was i would i would do the rosary by myself i would literally like talk to god by myself like i really thought that god existed yeah and i thought about it a lot and i thought about it so much i think that i started having doubts because a lot of the i went to a chris i went to a a jesuit school christian school and i just don't think other kids were thinking about it as much as i was like they would they would go through the motions, but it wasn't a big deal to them. And to me it was a big deal. Yeah. And I was, you know, constantly thinking about God and like 
uh, wanting to talk to him and, you know, really it's just like... Well, I mean, like legitimately, if you think about it and you believe about in like a very real fundamental sense, then how can any moment of the day not be about the fact that there is an existence, you know, like as higher being everywhere at every second with every part of you at all times across the day you'd have to be yes. thinking about it right yes no I, I i think about that i think about that a lot too and i think about like it both both of them both of the possibilities if if it's a, a dual a possibility of whether god exists or we just it's a freak of nature and it's just the universe experiencing itself both are equally astonishing you yeah. know, like they are, I don't know how people are walking around thinking like I do, you know, that the universe just kind of slowly grew consciousness in the form of us, in the form of me. Um, and I mean, that's astonishing. I don't know how I'm not constantly just like, I mean, I, I think I am more than most people. Yeah, I think you but, are too. <laughs> but even even then I'm like, I should be, I should be thinking about this more. Isn't this I wild that, that I am here to experience it with consciousness and awareness in this yes. just like distant speck of dust in an infinite vacuum? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same goes for like people who believe in God. I think there are some people like my grandma, uh, my Bubcha, she is like obsessed with God and um, she lives by herself now and she she doesn't do I mean, it's, she's devoted her whole life to it, and she's she actively wants like she doesn't she doesn't necessarily want to die, but she is. I can tell she's so ready for heaven. She's at peace, you know. Like yeah. she's she's like I just want. She would never like unend. She wouldn't interrupt the natural process of life and death by you know killing herself or euthanasia because that would be um, you know blasphemous. But she is. The way she talks, she's just like, "Oh, if God took me tomorrow, I'd be so happy." Um, <laughs> and I think a lot. I think she's in the minority of of people there because people like I don't want to speak for my 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 parents, but I feel like they they say they believe, but I'm not I'm not sure if they're convinced. Like they're not they're not con if they were to they don't have the same sort of commitment to uh, welcoming. Uh, death and meeting God and their loved ones who have died. They don't. They don't necessarily have that. Yes, they are younger and yeah. I guess maybe have a lot to still live for. Going still. on, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just. I think for the majority of people who say that they believe in God, I'm not. I'm not sure if they. I'm not sure if they really, really believe it to the point where they're like, well, I mean, heaven is meant to be the ultimate bliss, so you've got nothing to worry about in heaven. Yeah. So why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. You know, you, if you really believed it, you'd want it. Well, it's the test of faith, though, isn't it? Right. Like that's that's the ultimate crucible because either you find out you're right or you never find out anything again. Right. Like that's that's yeah. where faith comes from because it's unknowable. So um, yeah, yes. it is a it is a reflection of of I suppose the religiosity or at least your internalized spirituality um, when it comes to that crossroads um because unless yeah. you really really do believe it then there's going to be some part of you thinking well this could be it yeah <laughs> yeah i was thinking yesterday sorry that i've just like gone off on a whatever it set me off here nick it's all good but i was thinking yesterday um that i was thinking about life like what what is life 
what not what is not is not what is life in general but what is a life what is your life and i was trying to define it in my head now your life is your memories and the way you experience the world and the way you interpret the world and the relationships that you have but if you look at if you watch a person walking down the street and you think they have a life i don't know what their life is but they have a life and their life is not necessarily a physical thing, but wherever they go, that's where their life is in a way. So if you if that person vanishes, if you suck them out of reality somehow, their life goes, right? That their 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 life is no is no longer. They may they they still have an effect on people that they love and everything. But they they what they do, that goes, their job. Their purpose goes. That vanishes with them, with their physical person. That that vanishes as well. So do their memories. So do their. I guess the only thing that remains is their relationships. Well, because people can. You can also talk about a physical presence, right? Like there were atoms that were assembled into a a body, and that had a form, yep. and that those atoms still exist. But there is like a there yeah. is like a, one definition of life would be like a at like a cellular level right like a a biological process of you know cellular respiration is life or or you know a, a single celled amoeba swimming around in a soup consuming i don't know amino acids or whatever they eat you know that's that's life at like a non-conscious level as well yeah but, do, but does that amoeba have a life i think you would say it is alive yeah, right. I guess it has memories in a sense where it's just like it remembers, I don't know, dangerous situations for it. Or... Possibly not an amoeba, but like definitely in maybe like lower life forms like animals and rats and things that are perhaps not like sentient or like self-aware, mm. but still alive. They still have memories. The the um the atoms, the atoms things, the fact that we, we can't destroy atoms, um, is to me the where where I find like solace as a as a person who doesn't believe they're going to live after they die. What I do find kind of comforting in this incredibly strange uh, version of rationalize rationalizing death is that even when I am die, my atoms that make me up now will continue in perpetuity until uh, the universe kind of yeah. yeah implodes or whatever but like that that to me is like some 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 version of comfort in in death i'm like oh well i'm still around you know it doesn't make sense but i you know i just like thinking about it i think that's nice too i mean heaven is just your atoms going on and being in other forms of life for the rest of eternity but just without your consciousness attached well exactly and and also then by that same logic which i think is good logic we, what we are now are a collection of atoms that made other things up in the past. Yeah, that's we're, isn't that trippy? Like we're made of things that used to be alive as well. Like part of us yeah. is probably a, like a little bit of a mammoth and a little bit of a you know fucking diamond and a little bit of a um, a flounder and I'm um, probably quite a bit kraken and you know some other like yeah. strange mix of everything that's ever existed on this planet in some form. Just yeah, I love. That. I think, I think you are part 
part mammoth, actually. I mean, it sounds like with your hairy shoulders. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a, it's, a nice, it's a nice comforting thought. Why did you, why did you ask this question? And um, well, uh, what, what, is your, what is your experience? I don't know why it came to mind, but I was thinking about it because I still remember very clearly the first like existential panic, which I think probably would have been a similar age. Um, but we used to, yeah. Like when I first truly innately understood that this was limited, like that this could end at any point, that's a scary thing to rationalize, right? Like your experience, your first, uh, interaction with death by the sounds of it was, uh, personified in another person. You watched it happen closely to someone else. What I remember was we used to go on these, um, like these beach holidays um, and we'd go down to Odinga beach outside of Adelaide um, with some family friends. And there was, uh, so two families of four, four kids, four adults. And we'd go down there for like 10 days or something like that. And all the kids would sleep on uh, like sleeping bags and little bunk sort of like camping cots in the garage underneath, you know, like the bottom floor of this beach house. And then all the parents would sleep upstairs in the, um, the, like the, the bedroom areas up the top. And I remember, yeah. and I can't even remember what precipitated the contemplation of it. But I remember on one of those holidays, probably when I was nine or 10, suddenly getting it like suddenly just like understanding that I would die. And it was like the middle of the summer holidays. And I just remember reeling, you know, like processing. And and I can't remember, maybe we're watching something on TV. Maybe there was a news story, like who knows, but it, it had come up. And I remember like going down to my bed that night, you know, in the sleeping bag in the lower story of this beach house and just lying up all night and like freaking out and like upset and crying and like realizing for the first time, like, oh fuck, like this could end. And I still remember it to this day. It must've been 20, good old 25 years ago. And I remember like dad would come down after Maybe I went up and talked to him and, and he came down and like soothed me and, and like put me back to bed. But for, that was where the like existential reality hit home in a beach house in Odinga. That's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's a, was it the, was it the, when you say panic, was it the feeling was, when you say death, was it non-existence that you, you were fully comprehending there? Or was it the actual process of dying? No, it was non-existence. You're, you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, I might end up in a car accident and I might hurt, and then I like age out, and you know, like whatever. It was like I will like, not I exist. My consciousness will not exist. Um, yeah. And that was that was the sort of that's the terror of it, right? Like trying to imagine what it is to not be conscious anymore. Um, well, it's like it's 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 kind of impossible for us to imagine. Yeah. This. And, and like the closest you can get is like, it's sort of the moment between born. you sleep, like when you go to bed, but before you wake up in the morning, it's like, it's the bit yeah. in there, but for forever. 
and or, or the same thing like the part behind, before you're born but i think that's a little blurrier because i don't really remember like <laughs> age two to five either you know like those <laughs> are sort of like just yeah 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 any memory i have of like my young childhood is filtered through the photos and family videos i've watched of me as a young child um yeah but yeah and then i suppose the other the second like early understanding of it because my grandma died when i think i was about five but i didn't really register that i think for me it was just glimpses maybe of standing around at a wake, but like I was so young, I, I barely remember it. And I barely remembered her as well. But yeah. I do remember my mum's dad dying, which would have been another five or six years later after that, maybe, maybe more, maybe when I was about like 10 or 12. And the, the memory I have of that was a I knew the grandfather like I had spent time with him so it was a bit closer to he home. He was a person. To he you, was a person. Yeah. He used he had to a like, relationship. Have like minties in a jar and these kind of things that <laughs> like have sense memories. Um, maybe I was about twelve, but the one that really, again, pushes like rammed at home was my dad gave the eulogy at my mum's dad's um, funeral. And I remember dad crying through the eulogy. And that was the first time I think I can remember dad crying. And I was like, oh, like shit's happened because that's, that doesn't happen before. So this is suddenly real. And that's like, those are sort of the two like very earliest impressions I have of, 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 of death, I suppose. It's interesting that we both had experiences of of watching grown-ups interpret uh, a serious event like a death happened and, yeah. and how we kind of how that informed how we treated the 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 subject or uh, yeah. the experience of it. Yeah. But it it is um I mean you 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 said this thing to me once on the podcast which I think about weekly now but you said that um, you know, every year we we pass the anniversary of our of our death. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. a date. Yeah, there's a date. The eighth of October. You know, yeah. uh, is the is what's going to be on the tombstone. Yeah. Um, and every year we pass that without knowing. And I yeah. think that's like a really not. It's a it's a. I have a morbid fascination with death, and I think it's a healthy one, uh, because I I like I actively like to think about it. I like to. I like to wonder, I like to try and I know my brain's never going to be able to get there to the point of understanding non-existence for myself, but I like going, doing that as a mental exercise. And it, for some reason it fills me with like excitement, excitement, not excitement to die, but like, I'm just like, I don't know. I have, I, it just interests me so much. In the sense and of like, think, there's an adventure out there still to come or is it just like an intellectual this, curiosity? it's both i mean i'm yeah it's not it's not excitement in the sense that i'm like oh this is this will be interesting but it's like death is this like big boogeyman um that you know we've all heard of you know everyone's heard about you know this death thing and everyone's going to experience it everyone is going to experience uh this death thing so what would that be like for me you know in the year you know it's funny to think you know in the year 
we'll never see the year uh, 2,121. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll just, that'll just not be when we're around. I don't know. It's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I have the same kind of fascination with it as I do with like space. Like, space is so vast and I feel so small. Yeah. And death feels in the same way. It feels so big. It feels so like I'm so helpless. But then in that feeling of incredibly feeling incredibly small, the smallest, uh, uh, there's like a peace. Yeah. There's a peace that I, that I, that I find in that. Mm. That's, that's a nice way to conceptualize it, right? Like if you don't have a religious aspect there to, to hang your hat on or to hold on to, then coming to terms at least with what to the best of our knowledge the universe entails is its own bedrock right like you can still yeah. you can still rely on that truth if you if you don't believe on a religious truth do you think it would be more more comforting to um have religion in your life for for that purpose to i mean uh, i help you interpret death or look forward to something after? I, I think there are aspects of religion that I'm sort of jealous of, to be honest. Like, I have a yeah. couple of friends that are practicing Christians, and they have they have a certain um, confidence to them, right? And it's not... It, it's based on premises that I don't agree with, but they have a, a comfort from it. I can see it. And then the, the other side of it is I think that the social institutions of religion were a, a, a fabric of society for quite a long time. And the connectedness that, that came from people going to the same church every week and seeing their neighbors and seeing their family or whatever. And like I, I, one of my friends I'm thinking of when that she was pregnant, like the, the church donated old baby clothes to them and then, you know, old cribs and things and and you have a network there that's supporting the family and 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 inclusive and and friendly and bringing food around for a month so you don't have to do the cooking when you just had a newborn baby like that kind of cultural and community uh support network or or um cohesion is something that i think many people these days are, are feeling the absence of right we are more yeah uh, segregated and isolated and so i think i i like the idea of of having that sort of second family in whatever that form is um because i see what the benefits would be yeah i mean i the older i get the more sympathetic i feel myself becoming uh, towards religion um you know i was pretty dogmatic um in back you know but when i was in, initially kind of identifying as um as like someone who didn't believe in god when that was you know the minority in my social circles and in my family well and cuz you you you'd come from a position where you had been a believer for 15 years right and it had been a position you had actually done the 180 you know the work on to change your mind on so it sort of makes sense to come yeah. out swinging in the other direction yeah, but you know they they really are two sides of the same coin. You know the 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 fascination with death that led me to atheism in the first place is essentially the same. We're we're asking the same questions. What happens later? You know? Yeah, 
yeah, what happens and, and how did we get here? That's essentially what we both are and then just coming to different guesses. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I've been, th- you know, I, I, I consider myself now like a spiritual person because I think that's what, you know, when I talk about, you know, my atoms going on, you know, beyond my uh, f- human form, that's to me is spirituality and it's not it's not woo-woo. It's, it's just like it's kind of science. So I think science can be spiritual and I think that's where I've like landed, you know, in my early 30s. I'll say early 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as no one else knows how old you are, you're fine. <laughs> do, you, do you consider yourself spiritual? I'm not sure that I would uh, say that label for myself. But I don't, it's a little tainted that word. I, it, guess. It, it, I think that's unfortunate, but I think you're right. Like spirituality does conjure up like tie-dyed shirts and crystal necklaces, and you know, like Reiki and stuff. Like, and I don't think yeah. that's um, a connotation that's really fair for what you're describing. But um, as I say, I wouldn't call myself spiritual, but at the same time, I don't disagree with any of your premises about like the beauty in our position in the universe as minuscule as it is and the the thought of what happens to our atoms after i die you know it is it is a spirituality i can see that yeah are your your parents religious now or they no no never so so that's sort of interesting because yeah you said you you came to that position but i just grew up in a household where we weren't religious i did go to an anglican school so you know, suffered through the Bible readings at the start of every assembly and had to do um, RE classes and that kind of thing. But yeah, it, it never took because it wasn't something we did at home. We never went to church on Sundays. And even in my like broader family, I think my my cousins were a little bit more religious growing up and my, my um, dad's side, you know, there was some religion there. But um, no, it just wasn't, it wasn't around. So I didn't have to go through that. <laughs> that self-analysis to work out what I believed. Yeah, it's it. I, I always I always thought that 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 journey that I, that took me to uh, towards discovering or towards um, I I'll call it like a realization. Yeah, because that's what it felt like. But it's that doesn't necessarily say anything for what the truth is. But the realization that oh there there might not be a god. I always thought that that journey was necessary for me to end up there. Yeah. Um, like I needed to I needed to understand what religion was. I needed to start at religion in order to reject it. And but you but you didn't get there. And like that's kind of like the bedrock of our relationship, I would say, like um and may, like connected to that is the this podcast. It's like we both have uh, we, I think, uh, fu- fundamentally, our friendship is based on um, a um, kind of curiosity about the world. Yeah. You know, and initially, I think it was you know music and stuff, and maybe that's connected as well. But I think the reason why we are still you know, very good friends after this year, and, you know, catch up tw- twice a month, is because we share a curi- curiosity about the world. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um- I was going to say I had a sort of moment of reflection as you were talking and how you had gone on the well, journey. listening again? No, no. It was it was just like percolating as you were describing your path yeah. of going through the thought process and making the discovery. And, and I feel like maybe this is true for everyone or maybe it's just true for me. But I think my adolescence and growing up in multiple contexts was a journey of 
finding the label that fit who I was or, or, or discovering the idea that was out there that I didn't know existed, but which then fit what I, who I was. And in one context, right. it's like the, I didn't know what gay meant and I didn't know what, um, you know, sexuality was, or I, you know, I wasn't interested in women, but then it, it took a while for me to find that out there in the ether, some con conceptualization of, of homosexuality to, for me yeah. to be like, oh, that's what I am. And in the same way, I think I didn't have to think about religion. I wasn't pondering the question of is there or is there not a God because God wasn't a household thing for me. And it came to right. the point where then they were talking about this idea of atheism. And even when you're at school and doing the things like no one around me was really believing it. So again, you didn't have mm. to have that um, conversation. But then this word comes along and I don't know if it was online or if it's from your friendship group or whatever, but then atheism appears and you go, oh, that's me. I don't believe in a God. And that's what the, that word is. So it's interesting for me that I perceive some of that like identity stuff as being dependent on language and on like social groups and, and, and circles in order for me to recognize it in myself. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is like there wasn't a necessity for you to identify yourself in that way in the same way that sexuality, as, you know, uh, heterosexuality is, is seen as a default position and yeah. you didn't identify with the default. Yeah. Whereas where I was, I guess, uh, um, you know, believing in God was the default position. Yeah. And then, it, you know, you had to actively remove yourself um, in terms of your identity. Yeah. Uh, and and, I, and I, think, I think for you as well, like there is an oppositional force in that, right? Like if you start to clash up ideologically against a, a tenet of religion, then you are pushed into an exploratory mode of like, who am I? What do I actually believe? Whereas for me, because there was never really this kind of like um, religious context or pressure there, it didn't force me to then think about the world, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, interesting kind of <laughs> discuss. I didn't think we were going to get 40 minutes out of it, but I, I very much enjoyed that. That's like my favorite topic in the entire world. <laughs> Do you have anything else on that, that you want to say before we, um, move no, on? I, I was, I was, I was literally, um, I was having a beer by myself and, and literally, um, staring out and just wondering about all this stuff uh mm. yesterday um so it's kind of funny that you you brought it up um yeah thanks no worries well on a completely different tangent um did you see the story this week about trans women in chess um no okay this... I'm not allowed to read those kind of articles. <laughs> okay, th this this one here had me bashing my head against the wall because I can't believe this. I this is a story in the in the Guardian here. Trans women banned from the world chess events while a review takes place. The world's top chess federation has ruled that transgender women cannot compete in official events for females until a review of the situation is made by officials. Uh, the decision is drawn criticism from advocacy groups and supporters of transgender rights. Um, the process could take up to two years. 
Change of gender is a change that has a significant impact on a player's status and future eligibility to tournaments. Therefore, it can only be made if there's relevant proof of change provided. In the event that the gender was changed from male to female, the player has no right to participate in official chess events for women until further um, decision is made. So I just cannot wrap my head around this, Michael. I don't understand. Like, for all that we've talked in the past about trans athletes in um, the Olympics, about, you know, drug usage and hormone levels and testosterone and all that bullshit, I feel like at the very least we're all talking about the same thing, which was physical acumen, right? Like the physical biological advantages that a sex-assigned male at birth versus a female figure and what that could do for an advantage advantageous you know outcome in a sporting contest i do not understand the idea that if you are a trans person that you might have an advantage in chess a purely strategic mental consideration what the fuck michael do you help me out here it's pretty it's pretty obvious nick Uh uh-huh it's 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 Maybe not politically correct to say, but everyone knows that men are smarter smarter than women. So (laughs) that's why, that's simply why you cannot have this happen. But like, we're joking, but that's legitimately, that's the argument they're making. That's what they imply. That's what they're they're implying implying from this. It is. Yeah, that's hilarious. It is insane to me. I don't understand. It, It seems absolutely bizarre. You'd expect the chess world to, you know, be a little more progressive than the sporting world, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, I'll, I'll get into a couple of the, um, the, the details here. So trans men must relinquish their women category titles after transitioning. So if, if you were a woman, trans man, now you give up the title you had. Transgender women can keep their previous titles. Transgender women have no right to compete in the women's division. Transgender women will be evaluated by the council on if they'll be allowed to compete. And this process may take up to two years. Uh, the uh, FIED council, which is the chess body, can mark transgender players as transgender on their files. And gender changes must comply with the player's national laws and may include birth certificate documents, despite many nations refusing to change transgender birth certificates. Wait, so if so, are there, are there gendered uh chess events yeah so this is the other crazy thing there is a women's competition already because that makes no sense because apparently you can't have men and women competing chess against each other i (laughs) i don't understand that's uh that's that's weird it's so weird but yeah as as i um as i brushed over there if you were born a man transitioned to a woman and you had played chess in the men's league, won a title, you can hold on to that title, but the reverse is not true. If you if you won a, in the women's division, transitioned into a men, you have to hand it back. You oh can't, my God. It's, it's bizarre. I don't know. I, um, I don't have much more to say on this other than what the fuck is going on. Can we please, can we please move past this era because it's extremely tiresome. Was this a big story? Because I hadn't heard the chess community famously not very vocal. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't see those tweets as often. That. Yeah, um, sorry, those no. X's. Um, th- this was in the Guardian, um, so it did get some coverage. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know if there has been a um, 
response or or, or to the uh, from the chess body to the criticism yet yeah, i think it's still sort of all as described yeah i can't imagine this gaining much much traction the the world doesn't really care about smart people you know <laughs> moving playing a silly game on a board yeah what they want to see is like people punching each other in the face or like jumping really high yeah, I gotta say, I really, I really love the idea of being into chess. Um, it's just like a. Cool... I feel like it fits in your personality. I feel like yeah. if you were to say, like, yeah, I play chess, I think people would buy that, which is not what you can I say can... for everything. I can play it. <laughs> I can play it. I just I'm not great at it. You know, Casper, Casper, and uh, Dan Pekevsky are actually very, very good at chess. Uh-huh. Um, so I have some friends that are just like extremely yeah. good and play every day. Casper and Dan, and, if you, you have know, knowledge about this chess situation further to what we've talked about and can explain why women and men, for instance, aren't competing in the same championships, please send us a message. I'd be curious. Yeah, Casper's going to love this. He's, two of his favorite things are playing chess and uh, Death. Uh, telling me how I'm wrong about uh, <laughs> trans rights. Yeah. If you've enjoyed a podcast like this, well... That's a very interesting statement. Have you thought about why it is that you are interested in long discussions about death and what that might mean for your spirituality? Hmm. Interesting. Clean the muse on. If you do reach a conclusion and want to let us know, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can send an email to us at deepfort at gmail.com. You can send us a message or a recommendation or some feedback about chess, and we'd be delighted to read it out on the show. And, of course, if you're in your podcast player and you are... Uh, hovering over that five star button, I say just press it. Like, who's going to know? Just push five and, and then move on with your day. It'll be worth it, I promise. I think that uh, people have been doing that on Spotify, by the way. Oh, thank you for everyone who's pressed those five stars on Spotify. That's very nice of you. Because it, if you do, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but if you check it, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you've been you've been revisiting the page. <laughs> Can't tell you how I know this, but if okay. you check it, um, and you yeah, and you can try to give five stars to a thing. If it doesn't have enough, it'll just say we don't have enough information. But now we've actually got a we've got a five oh, we've star got a rating. rating on Spotify now. Oh, yeah, guys, thank you so much. I I'm flattered to hear that, and as previously discussed, that makes you more attractive. So great job, everyone. <laughs> Get out there. You'd almost want to. You almost want to fall. I, th- I think a four point nine. Looks better than a five. A little bit more believable. A little bit more believable. Yeah. So just one of you give us four, four stars. <laughs> After the... Michael, we've got to stay consistent on this campaign. We can't, we can't... This is fucking game theory. We can't put it out there that one person needs to do four stars because then everyone will do four stars. Yeah. What you, you should have never mentioned it and then you should have just gone and done four stars off pod it. and now it's fucking Stupid. ruined. I think I can probably retroactively do it. Okay. And I could also edit this out of the podcast, but I won't. Uh, (laughs) You said you had maybe a little story. Yeah. So we we got, we landed in uh, Thailand from Malaysia last Thursday and we had a a bit of a horrific situation. So we we get off the airport, get through customs, uh, all that's fine. Then we kind of need to work out how to get from the airport to um, our uh, Airbnb. And so we're, we're working out what apps that we need. We probably should have done this before, but like what apps you need work the, here that the work? The Nick in- Shadle branded system of 
pre-prepared folios with bus routes and you know handy phrases we need the nick uh, the nick ai um organizer <laughs> yeah. that's what we need um so we, we get the app and we, we decide that like there's a few different versions here but grab is the one that everyone uses now it's it was take taken over uber in all of these south south asian countries yeah. um so we stick with grab so uh but then there's we see it cheaper on bolt so we we all we decide that we order we'll order a bolt even though we haven't used bolt before so we order this thing and this guy um so then so the other thing is we 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 land in thailand and immediately realize that uh, marijuana is legal oh because we're seeing cannabis shops right everywhere so they've just recently made weed legal here so we're seeing weed signs everywhere right it's like the cannabis business is booming here yeah so like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. That this isn't that's not necessarily connected, but that's just what was in our head. Anyway, yeah. our Bolt driver arrives after 10, 15 minutes, getting lost. You know, we're seeing him come there, and he's messaging us in getting Thai. Lost. We're translating it, yeah. And then he's kind of looping back around, and he's kind of he's messaging us in Thai, but then uh, you can translate it in the Grab app, and then so we're getting like a kind of a clunky translation of yeah. what is happening in the Bolt anyway, app. So we get we. In the Bolt app, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he eventually arrives, and it's kind of like a shitty bomb car. It's got like a massive dent in the side. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been taking grabs and, and doing ride share all through our travels here, and, you know, there is a, there's a minimum yeah. kind of uh, standard of the vehicles that, you know, we've gotten used to. So we're like, all right, well, maybe let's just tie. Anyway, and this guy's kind of looking a bit disheveled and stuff. And so... You might have encountered this when you've gone traveling before that uh, when you put addresses don't necessarily, uh, they're not in, in laid out in the same way as sure. they are in English where it's like street, street uh, house post, number, yeah. street. So there's all these like provinces and districts. So we're, we're trying to navigate that as well and, and looking at it on Google Maps and then trying to get the same vicinity, doing all this kind of mental gymnastics that, yeah. you know, is you take it's, it's a little tricky. Yeah. Anyways. So we put what it means is that we're kind of second guessing ourselves in the, in the in the trip because this guy, uh, I don't know, the the car kind of smelled a little bit like weed, <laughs> so we're like, is he stoned? And then he starts driving and he's going down this highway and he is driving like a maniac, like Ugh. so fast, and it's getting, you know. A lot of these things you're you're, you're trying to work out. Oh, is this just how the people drive thing here? Versus and you know, the individual, yeah. And he's driving just so erratically. And we've got, you know, we've both got Google Maps up on our phone and we've got the address in our phone. So we're kind of tracking him. And by the way, this is like 11 o'clock at night. We've been traveling. We've been in transit all day. We're so tired. We're hungry and stuff. We want to get home. And and so this guy is just driving like a maniac. There's like a few like genuine near misses of other cars. We're starting to question whether or not he might be uh, under the influence. Yeah. Um, of weed or something else. He's not saying anything, but what we are seeing is that on Google Maps, all these exits that are, are coming up that yeah. he should be taking, he's just missing them. Yeah. And not only that, he's got his phone on a kind of a GPS stand on his car and he's doing the strangest thing. He's zooming out. He's not in this the standard kind of oh, POV yeah. navigational mode. Yeah. He's kind of zooming out, but it's not even the bird's eye 
view of it. It's yeah. like kind of slightly off that. Asymmetric, it's, yeah. But then he's, so we're just like, he's not, he's not even like, we don't think he's us. paying yeah. attention. He's maybe doing this from memory or where he thinks he's, where he think where he thinks the suburb is. Yeah. Um, and so we're starting to get a little bit uh, like nervous Nervy, about it. Yeah. And th- so he misses about five, six, seven exits and we're starting to go, okay, I, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm kind of thinking, all right, well, maybe what, maybe, I don't know, could I, could we be getting abducted and then kind of rinsed for, for, for money, a, a fleece or yeah. whatever that word is? Yeah. Like th- that's going through my head. Lauren's yeah. getting pretty panicky herself. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of looking at each other, not, not knowing whether to, um, not Try knowing and communicate. if we should, if we should say, hey, I think it's this exit. I mean, yeah. we've just gotten off the plane. He knows we're not from here. Yeah. Who are we to be saying, you know, we don't, I mean, this guy as a bolt driver, he could, this could be his first ever job. He yeah. could just like, just be doing it inside. The taxi drivers, I mean, they, they know the, the streets like the back yeah. of their hand. Like yeah. They've, they've studied. Yeah. Um, in a, in a way. But, you know, so we're, we're thinking about all this. Then it gets to about, I don't know. This trip was meant to take 25 to 30 minutes, you know, on Google Maps. We've been in the car for 55 minutes to oh. an hour already and we are going we're all, we're still going in the wrong direction. Oh no. So this guy this guy this guy pulls over at one point. He's just like trying to work. He's still not communicating any of this to us. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, get, it gets to about an hour and we're kind of getting a bit freaked yeah. um about it. Yeah. And so we we decide to we Cut see like losses. a big hotel, yeah, and we say, "Hey, uh, can you just can you just pull in pull into here?" And he's kind of like, "What?" And we're like, I "Just we'll get out here." And I, in my head, I'm trying to be uh, like uh, not Easy hurt going. his feelings. Yeah. And so, but this guy doesn't really speak English, so I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going, "Oh, we just want to eat, you know? We'll just we'll just we'll get out here and we'll go have a bite to eat." And then I'm yeah. trying to communicate that we just want to get out, and it's not your fault. Yeah. Um, and then that's confusing. So he, after a little bit of like, what, what, what? He, he lets us out yeah. of, uh, of the car and he's, he's, he's confused. And we're kind of hurriedly kind of getting our bags. Cause at this point we're kind of, yeah, uh, we're, we're kind of scared for our situation yeah. here. And we don't really know what's going on. And it's midnight and yeah. All of that. Um, and so we, you know, Lauren quickly gets her bag out. She's like really so ready to go. at this yeah. point. And she's like, just get the bag, just get the bag. And we're 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 getting the bag out. I'm struggling to get my bag out because the boots, you know, we had to Tiny, like ram yeah. the luggage. <laughs> um, and then so he's not helping us with this. Like he helped us getting it in, but he's kind of, I think I get in the sense that he's kind of pissed now. He's yeah. kind of pissed off at us that I think he's caught on that we are a little bit freaked out and we know that he's missed turns. Yeah. Anyway, the boots, the boots open and I'm getting my bag out and he starts reversing. Oh, uh, the, the lights come on. He starts reversing, so I'm getting back. And so Lauren's like banging on the banging on the door, going, "Hey, stop, stop, stop!" Eventually, eventually, get it out. He kind of tears off. So yeah. this guy's like annoyed. We get into we get into this kind of swanky looking hotel, like too too glitzy for us. Yeah. But like, and the the concierge at the front there, he thinks that we're staying there, obviously, yeah. and and we're just like, "Oh, sorry, we're just kind of in a bad situation here. We just needed to get out." And thankfully, he was he was just like the sweetest guy in the world. He yeah. spoke very good English, and he was just like, 
bring your bags. It's by the way, it's like it's thick, humid, humid yeah. air outside. Yeah. So we're like sweating, plus like the clammies yeah. uh, from yeah. the, being nervous and whatever. And he's just like, get in, like come in here, gets us sitting down in the air conditioning in this like there's like a piano player you know, <laughs> playing in the yeah. lobby. It's like a chandelier. We've just like immediately changed from yeah. our environments yeah. you know, so drastically. Um, yeah, and he uh, eventually he, we explained the situation to him, and he uh, he ordered uh, us a, a kind of a grab from there, and he was like, "This guy will get you here." And then we get the guy pulls up. By the way, it's the kind of the same amount of money. Yeah, the guy pulls up in like a like a nice like yeah. SUV, and it's Proper like car. Yeah. You know, very courteous, and just gets us there in like two minutes from where we were. Oh, was it um, actually that uh, close? I was probably more like ten, but sure. it was yeah. like the guy. The guy had Google Maps up, and it was just like didn't miss a turn, and it was yeah. bang, 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 bang. Got us straight there. But was yeah, the concierge like, those... like don't use Bolt? Like, what, did he say anything about the experience of that versus Grab? No, he did. He didn't say anything about that, but he was like immediately understanding of the situation, which makes me think that you know, you know there might be a couple of dodgy characters. Out there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this guy had bad intent. I don't know. He probably didn't. Yeah. But he, you know, that's what, that's where our head, that's the, that was the state that we were in. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I don't know about the difference in apps. We haven't used Bolt since. Yeah. um, Even though it's the cheaper option. But um, no. Yeah. That was kind of like the scariest moment that we've had on the trip. So we're kind of overdue. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you're doing pretty well for two, two months on the road now. So. Yeah, well, I'm no. glad that you're okay and that it worked out and hopefully wasn't <laughs> too much of a, um, a, a terror-filled night. No, so we went back and just ordered uh, ordered noodles and, you know, had no issues there and just, it was nice. Hmm. But, yeah. So uh, travel, Michael, broadens the mind, broadens the myth. Excuse? Broadens, br- broadens the myth. Broadens the myth. You, do you have some broadens myths, the- Michael's myths? Yeah, do you want some? Play, play, play the jingle. <laughs> Michael's Michael's and no displeased, riled up, offended, aggrieved, irritated, chagrined, pissed off, put out, resentful, and picked at Michael's Offensive to people with stutters. I don't think uh, I don't it was. Condone. I, I think that was a natural delivery, and I refuse to be shamed for it. <laughs> All right, I got, I got a, a, a big old bowl full of myths. Okay. Mike's Travel myths. myths. Not even, I uh, guess, some of them, but it's been an ever-growing, ever-growing list. So why okay. don't I just uh, kick yeah, this please. thing off and? Yeah. Um, We'll see how far we can we can get with this, and you yeah. just let me know as as usual, Nick, if if you felt this or you agree or if mm-hmm. you don't agree. Would this. you like me to categorize scale? Because sometimes you've been a little bit offended if I've called him a micro myth or, you know, look, do whatever you want, Nick. All right, <laughs> thank you for the permission. All right, first one. I think you can you can get on board with this, but it's when people uh, try to pluralize. Plural, pluralize, pluralize a word, but they don't know what the plural version of it is, right. and so instead they make a joke, but by adding i on the end because they know that octopus is octopi, 
<laughs> well, yeah, except for when it isn't. I don't yeah. even know if that's yeah. I don't even know if that's true. Yeah. Or cactus is cacti. Yeah. But then they'll be like, uh, I, you know, uh, what's the what's the what's the plural of platypus? And then so someone will go platypus I as a joke. Yeah. I, it's cringe. It's cringe. Stop doing it if you're doing it. Stop. I, you know. Stop pluralizing with I. Lazy. I think that's a very strong middle of the road myth opener. I think that most people in it can agree <laughs> that that joke or that stab very tired, very, very you know, tired. old hat. We don't need to be doing that, and we need to find some sort of like cultural way to have this little exchange of of you know etymology without defaulting to I. So full, full text from me. Very yeah, much. I, I didn't realize how much that irritated me until you vocalized it. So you're a voice of the people, as always. And, and now you're going to see that they're going to hear it everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. your, your blood's going to boil. Yeah. Um, the second one here, Casper's um, getting a bit of a shout out here, but he's he's phoned in with a myth. Oh. Um, so this, this one's in from Casper. People who call people humans. Oh, like walk into a room, hey, fellow humans, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think that's where that's going. Oh. I don't yeah, know that, that I've encountered that, that a great deal. So I don't know that it rubs oh, me the wrong like, way. Oh, hey, lovely humans. Yeah. No, actually, now that now that I say it out loud, I can hear it, and it it does it is kind of it is kind of lame. If you had to address a group of people these days, what's your collective noun? What do you go for? I I go guys. I think I, guys is yeah is the best one. I, I know it's not I, gender neutral, but it is gender neutral. It is. That's the thing. Yeah, we've crossed that threshold, and I think usage dictates that it is now gender neutral. But do you remember, I can't remember if you were on the shift there um, with me, but I still remember at Wallace Cinemas standing at the Usher's box as you would often have to um, greet people coming up the concourse, check their tickets. And my default was, hey, guys, hey, guys, can I just tickets, please, you know. And I remember one pair of older ladies saying, we are not guys, we are ladies, we are women. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, it's gender neutral. So it isn't. We're ladies. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but I was I was called out on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I like that old, that classic, uh, that that kind of golden era uh, of like people, like older people who would just want to be called, you know. Yes. By, I'm a woman. By their, yeah, they're, it's outdated, but, you know, it's it works. You know, I always I There is like no when, way um, to uh, comfortably address a group of women that doesn't sound wrong now. Hey, ladies. Hey, women. What about hey, mams? Hey, hey, females. There's no way. You have to be gender neutral. Hey, fems. Hey, f- yeah. hey, fems. I think that is a thing. Fems? Hey, fems. Yeah. Are they saying fam, but, maybe? No, no, hey, no. Fam. It's pe- people looking for... Um, uh, I'm speaking specifically about people looking in Melbourne in a in a in a in a city, yeah. looking for uh, housemates on, on some of those uh, groups. They'll oh. say we're looking for someone who's femme or mask, oh. rather than male or female. Oh, yeah, that feels weirder anyway. to me. Oh, I, I don't know. 
looking for someone masked. What what is what's the? I mean, does that include like a mask? Lesbian? By the way, no one's no one's looking for anyone mask. By the way, I'm just saying that's the opposite. <laughs> sure. They're always just looking for looking for a fan. Right. So does that include like um, a really flamboyant gay guy? Is that what they're opening the door to? Well, flamboyant gay guys do have female energy. Like I I I would if I'm looking for. Yeah, sometimes I just want to hang out with women, you know. Yeah. I, I like I like hanging around with women. Uh, and I would include a, a gay guy in that. Like if I was when if I went to like a, a a party. Why did I say that so posh? I went to a party. <laughs> I went to a party. If I was at a gala. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the there mayor was, was it was coming. like ma- <laughs> it was male dominated, I'd be like, "Ah." But if it was like female dominated, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I'm aborting on that, uh, that analogy. I okay. didn't like how it sounded coming out of my mouth. But anyway, hey, I, I kind of... Yeah. Hey, fems. All right, moving on. <laughs> Kowinky dink. Speaking of tired phrases, Kowinky dink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that one's already past its prime in the sense that I don't hear that. I don't run into a Kowinky dink day to day. I think that that's... An occasional speed bump, but it doesn't throw me off my day. I'm not getting battered by Quinky Dink five days a, uh, five times a day. Fair enough. Uh, I thought that was a bit basic. That one actually. I'll yeah. just finish it off with um, finish it off with this one, Nick. I know you're going to agree with this one. Okay, I'm, I'm excited. Um, but my final myth here is in unsubscribing from email lists. Uh huh. So when you when you click unsubscribe. And it takes takes you to another site where you have to enter in the email address again. Your email address, Ugh. as if it doesn't know. Yeah, like bitch, you just emailed me. Yeah. Okay, you <laughs> yeah. know you know where I was to be found, and you know where I'm coming from. Don't <laughs> yeah. ask me to do it again. Don't ask me to type it and then double check. Yeah, I I do have to I say I, I, I what's the opposite of a Michael's myth. Have we got like a Michael's happy place? I, you know, Mike, we need Michael's we need, happy place. We need we need a brand for it. But when you do click and unsubscribe, and it opens the window, and it goes right through that process, and it's like you're gone. Mate, done. don't even worry. Don't even worry. It's done. It's done. I'm telling like, you, it's done, and it's fine. And if you want to tell me how I fucked up so I can better myself as a person. That would be lovely, but don't feel obliged. You can just tab right out of this. That, that's a happy place. That's bliss. That's, that's bliss. That's heaven. That is heaven. There it is. Full circle. Uh, 